welcome to Powered by Magic, where we discuss topics surrounding magic and common or not so common questions. Let's take this journey together. Hi, I'm Tatiana. And I'm Sylvia. And we are coming to you from Eugene, Oregon. We invite you to conjure up a broom and ride with us. Okay, well, before we start, I'm dealing with my cat already. She wants to be in the center of attention of everything. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. Her tail is twitching like she's annoyed. <laughs> yeah, she knows we're talking about her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, how are you this week? How are you doing? Pretty good. Uh, there was a change of schedule and such at work. Uh, it was very immediate, but not bad other than the weather because I have to work outside right now. Somebody got sick and now I'm taking up their place. Otherwise, what we both did this last week, Mm -hmm. um, yesterday actually, is we kayaked. That's right. We did. We did go kayaking. It was a lot of fun. I loved it. I love going out Burn Ridge over by, well, our neck of the woods, basically. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of weight, well, semi-waves, I guess, to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed them, honestly. Oh, no, they're fun. It's just when you're trying to go back... And you have to go against them. It's a lot more work mm-hmm. when you're fighting the wind and some of the waves. waves but yeah, they're, they're, they are fun. It is. It's quite fun. You know, when they splash up against the front, especially, it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. But also backing up into the reeds and just sitting there with your feet up and listening mm-hmm. to the birds. That's just so nice. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, we had really perfect kind of weather. It was overcast at first, but it was kind of a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved it. I don't get to go very often. I had to rent a boat, but yeah. Okay, well, yeah. It is difficult when you have to rent a boat. Yeah, it is, but we did it. Yeah, it was we fun. Did. It was I fun. enjoyed it. Hopefully, we get to go again. Yep, and with minimal sore. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing pretty okay today on that. Mm-hmm. So am I. How was your week? Oh, okay. On to me already. (laughs) Well, I couldn't think of anything else. Okay. Well, I had my son's birthday. He turned 31. Oh. Had a nice little party at uh, the in-laws place. Cool. And we just celebrated, I guess. We just celebrated. It was nice. Fun. Mm -hmm. Then... I had, uh, what did I do? You told me earlier. No, that was the kayaking and the birthday party, right? Yeah. That was our check marks. Yep. <laughs> we and didn't have much this week. No, not much this week. It was nice. It was, it's nice. I have my birthday coming up mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm going to go kayaking next couple of days. Yep. And also doing a lot of house sitting. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. The only other thing I have to add is it's going to be really hot this next week and I get to work outside and it's not going to be fun. It's going to be terrible for her. I I just have so much pity for you. Fortunately, I have shade at least and a fan and I just bought some cooling towels, which I need to give you one. That's right. Yeah. You were going to give me one from, because of the house sits that are quite warm Mm -hmm. and difficult to deal with at night. Do you have the mister at your place? Uh, I don't know. Oh. Hmm. I think it's somewhere in my apartment, but I don't know where. Oh, yeah, but I meant, do they put out a mister for you? No. They don't? No, it's just a fan. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. All right, well, okay. Anyways. (laughs) Anyways, uh, we're going to move on here. Today's going to be about the history of witchcraft 
And we are going to start off with the history of the witch's hat. Yeah. All right. There are a couple possibilities as to where the witch's hat came from. One is the sad practice in 1215, enforcing Jewish men to wear a conical hat to show their outsider status at the time. Most of Europe was Christian. That just seems like it started early with that kind of, bull, excuse me, bullshit. Yeah, yeah. All right. But as the witch's hat is a British and American association, and Britain decided to use a badge instead of a hat to identify Jewish people, this is a less likely possibility. What is more probable is the associations with Quakers in 1600s England. Quakers, or the Society of Friends, believed that women were equal to men, that God was experienced directly, and that people weren't inherently sinful. This was seen as a threat to the Church of England at the time, in part because women were allowed to have a voice. The beliefs about the Quakers ranged from that they were heretical and thus evil to horny, especially the women. <laughs> Apparently that was a bad thing. They're not allowed to have, you know, sexual feelings and, yeah, and any kind of enjoyment. Yeah, that... <laughs> Quakers were fashionable for their time, and guess what was fashionable? If you guessed tall, black, conical hats, you would be correct. Pointy hats. Yay. They weren't all pointy, actually. Some no, of them, some were, of them flat. were flat. That's right. Yeah, but they were tall. I think it was Hamim or, or something like that that it was called. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't that remember That sounds, sounds close. Yeah. This was a time where witches were also coming into awareness, and not in a good way. I'm sure there were more than a few Quaker women accused of witchcraft during the trials of this time. There's actually a young adult book called The Witch of Blackbird Pond, which is set in America, and it's about a Quaker young lady that's accused of being a witch. Oh. Yeah. I, I know. Look that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know I read it in middle school, I think, but I don't remember Enough what about the, it. Yeah, oh. I don't remember a whole lot of the book at all. Mm. I just remember that I read it. Mm. From there, we don't see a witch in her recognizable hat until 1720, at which time superstition and magic were shifting into the background, and the scientific revolution was almost at hand. The popular depiction of a witch in England spread to America. In The Wizard of Oz, the Wicked Witch of the West had the, by now, iconic black pointed hat with the large brim. And that was also the first time they had a witch with green skin hmm. in popular media. Interesting. Did you find out why? I know no, it's not No, I didn't find the... out why. It just said that that was what it was. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not sure why. Maybe I should do a little more research into that. That'd be interesting to find out if we can. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of examples of conical hats in history. The wizards of the Middle Ages wore them. There's the, uh, oh, I can't remember. It was in China, ancient women were dug up and they had pointed conical hats. I remember you mentioning that, yeah. Yeah, and several other places. But to us, the witch's hat is special for obvious reasons. So, wear your hat with pride. It is an important symbol of power, wisdom, and rebellion. Yay. Thank you for that. That was interesting to me. Yeah. Hopefully it's to others. Um, It was a lot of fun to research. I kind of noticed as I was skimming over some of that, it's like there were a lot of different 
potential ideas of where it came from. Yeah. And there was just a sense of, well, it may have come from here. And I remember one of them was about how it was a cone of power. Yeah. And that that was debunked. It was associated with the pyramids. Right. Um, that, that also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was supposed to draw in power. And one of the other articles we read said that that was... Yeah, I don't know that that article directly was saying that was debunked, but it was there was some sense of mm, yeah. yeah, that it might not be. I don't know. It sounds interesting to me. I don't know. <laughs> now, we go back to another place in I believe the Middle Ages and uh persecuted as a witch. Yes. Something we're going to be doing in our podcasts here, you know, here and there uh speckled on through our every other podcast yeah is we're going to include a witch that was persecuted or quote-unquote witch that was persecuted mm-hmm. as much as i can find information we'll continue that as a part of this yeah we found the information can be a little sparse about specific witches yeah and i got some information here more than i actually thought it was going to we're gonna start oh, yeah we're gonna start with murga bien born in the 1560s and died in 1603. She was accused of being a witch in Fulda, Germany. She was tried as one of the first witches in these trials, which took place from 1603 to 1606. She had married three times, and she became an heiress to the first two husbands, leaving her quite well-to-do. This came into play later during the trials, when she married Blasius Bien, in 1588, she moved away from Fulda, but then returned later. Her return was due to some troubles she had with her husband's employer, wherein she had spoken out against them, which was utterly unacceptable of the times. How dare a woman say something? Oh, yeah. It was very much frowned upon and obviously made them leave that town. Yeah, yeah. In March of 1603, the first arrests were being made. Not long after, Murga was arrested on June 19th. Regardless of the plea made by her husband in the court of Spire, she was jailed despite being pregnant. Mm. Yeah, they didn't really care about that. Apparently not. As a matter of fact, I think that could count against you in some cases. Yes, because... Or against the child, because it would be considered the devil's child oftentimes. Oh, jeez. You know, so the, or, or, the, or the child would be considered marked by the damning of the woman anyway, so it might yeah. be part of her, the child then, too. Yeah. That was the reasoning, I think, on some of that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm fun. just shaking my head here. Yeah, she's shaking her head. I'm not, I am, too. In the course of the trial, she was accused of having relations with the devil in order to become pregnant since she and her current husband, Blasius, had been barren for 14 years. They had no previous children. Further, it was contrived that she murdered her second husband along with her children with that husband and a family member from her third husband's employer. That was Blasius's employer where they had the difficulty. Yeah. They were saying that, yeah, she had killed one of the family members' wives. She was forced to confess to all of these crimes. Having been judged as guilty, she was burned alive, in Fulda, at the stake, in the autumn of 1603. Now, you said that it was not said whether or not she was still pregnant when... Yeah, I couldn't find out about that. I don't know if she was still pregnant. I'm sort of assuming she was. 
Mm. But I that's an assumption. I can't Yeah, can't say yay or nay. Right. And here comes my kitty again. Oh, oh, here she comes. <laughs> These trials began as a result of Prince Abbot Balthasar von Dernbach of the Fulda Monastery, who was a devout Catholic and follower of the Counter Reformation. He had been exiled in 1576 for his beliefs by the Lutherans, but returned in 1602 and regained control over perceived religious liberalisms. He re-implemented his policies and began the witch hunt and searches for other undesirables. Yeah. Shaking my head again. Yeah. By his side in these trials as an accuser was Balthasar Nuss, whom he met during his exile. Later, Nuss admitted to having accused 205 witches, although was said to have actually accused 239, for which he was imprisoned for 13 years and beheaded in 1618. My goodness. And, you know, like you had said to me when I was researching this, he got off easy. Right? He got, I mean, he got beheaded, which is relatively quick as opposed to burning alive at a stake. Yeah. Which is absolutely horrific. I mean, both of them aren't are great, but... Have a bad outcome. Yeah. <laughs> but he kind of seems to have deserved it. Mm-hmm. So these trials came to an end a year after Balthasar von Dernbach died in March 15th of 1605. The trials had lasted three years and was one of the four largest witch trials in Germany, killing approximately 250 people. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. So many. Yeah. So it didn't quite end in 1605. It did go on to 1606 a little bit. And what we have here is the women that were, tr I have information about the women of the trials burned alive at the stake. It's obviously not all of the people because the numbers don't add up, but they did have the number of uh, a lot of the women. Mm -hmm. So in autumn of 1603, we have the one known victim, which would be Merga Bien. Mm -hmm. In 1604, there were 59 known victims. In 1605, 70 known victims. In 1606, seven known victims. And mm. they were all burned at the stake. That's so terrible. It, it really is. It's a crazy, crazy time. And so far, we haven't gone to that degree. Yeah. I mean... There's the Holocaust, so there's that. That was horrific. Horrific, uh, beyond belief. But we haven't gone to burning this stake. At least we've come past that. My cat is piercing my skin. Oof. Ouch. We're going to move on to the history of witchcraft and magic. We're just sort of starting to touch the tip of that. Yeah, we're going all the way back way back starting and Sylvia did some wonderful research for us here. So did Tatiana. About half of this is her work. In the middle Paleolithic Neanderthal times, there is a controversy as to the existence of our religious beginnings in that time. This is about 300,000 to 50,000 BC. Upper Paleolithic religious beliefs around 50,000 years ago has via discovered complex body art been possibly connected to shamanic religions. Dating back to possibly 30,000 BCE, the discovery of a figurine now known as the Venus of Willendorf, named after the area in Austria she was found in, 
is one such piece. She is to this day seen on many altars, replicas of course. Yeah. There is evidence that animism is one of the oldest held beliefs followed by belief in an afterlife, then shamanism and ancestor worship, which came around the same time as each other, shamanism and ancestor worship. Modern day hunter-gatherers, which is kind of our best example that we have of shamanistic beliefs and what we believe to be older held beliefs. Modern day hunter-gatherers and possibly our Paleolithic ancestors' religions are naturally unique compared to each other, especially when compared to larger world religions. Religion is not really a separate topic in most hunter-gatherer societies today. Rather, their beliefs are woven throughout their daily life. Some similarities between hunter-gatherer groups are sacred healing dances, rituals marking life events, like coming of age, plus gods and spirits that are typically not all-knowing and may or may not really care about human rules in their day-to-day life. Shamanism is defined as a religion practiced by indigenous peoples of far northern Europe and Siberia that is characterized by belief in an unseen world of gods, demons, and ancestral spirits responsive only to shamans, by Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Now, shamanism is usually used as a much broader term than that. Right. But that is the dictionary reference. Yeah. Around 12,000 BC, there was a shift in society structure, which were the early signs of hierarchical groups. This shift is, I believe, to agriculture. I believe so, yes. This is a time when worship grew to include both one's personal ancestors and tribal ancestors alike. Stonehenge is one such example of the changes from more individualized to group-oriented practices. In Galilee, in 2008, A 12,000-year-old skeleton of a woman was found. She was approximately 45 when she died and had problems with her spine that would have probably caused her to drag her feet. But what was an interesting thing is that she was found relatively intact. The culture that she came from was known to mess with and change the placings of their skeletons and such. She was buried with bones from several animals with her, including leopard, eagle, boar, aurochs, and around 50 turtle shells. Curious. Right? All of that together has the scientists surmising that she was a shaman of some sort. And I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Now, it's not for sure, obviously, because it's old and we can't actually go and ask them, hey, was she a shaman? (laughs) But that's what they think. Oh, what? We can't, you know, contact our ancestors? (laughs) Well, yeah. It won't go down scientifically. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, they won't accept that, so. Oh, well. Religion, or Latin religionum, to show respect for what is sacred, is defined as an organized system of beliefs and practices revolving around or leading to a transcendent spiritual experience. World History Encyclopedia. Religion, quote-unquote, was not different from mythology until more recent times. It was based on the world around them existing in a universe filled with higher supernatural beings that had created all that was, including the cosmos. Now, we move on to the tarot. Yeah, this is a shorter episode today. 
Yes. And that's sort of how this is going to run. And of course, we make up for the hour-long one that we started season two with. Oh my goodness. We had no idea we were going to do that much. Yeah, that was no clue at all. Well, it is what it is, and hopefully people will like it. I hope so. Okay, today's tarot. I ended up with two cards, the Four and the Seven of Swords. These two jumped out at me. In this deck, the Four shows a hedgehog held up in its hole under the snowy ground. The Seven shows a panther lying facing us, with other ones in the background facing each other. They both speak about survival and solitude, but from different perspectives. One speaks to retreating and the other meeting things semi-head-on. Both serve their purposes. The Four takes refuge inwardly in the self, away from others, and seeks silence to the still the mind. The Seven looks outwardly for places to hide in plain sight, while reacclimating itself. Both are looking to their surroundings and any threats. How can you protect yourself? Consider, in what way do you function best? Introvert or extrovert? The introvert will regain itself once it has had time away, not having to deal with others and their energies. The extrovert will be out in the open using the energy around them in order to recharge. Once both collect themselves, they can integrate back in with everyone else. These coping mechanisms are vital for each individual's survival. Watching ourselves, collecting insights about ourselves, is what we must do every day. The more we know, the better we can prepare to face the world around us. If someone attacks you with unfounded volatility, what will you do? Escape or charge? Fight or flight? Who are you? As witches, we are bound to ask ourselves the hard questions about who we are and how we will grow. This isn't exclusively to witchery, but let's face it, witches are the topic at hand. Indeed. Please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you've found us. Also, come join us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. We'd love to have you. Yes, we would. I'm Tatiana, saying goodbye for now. And I'm Sylvia, saying so long, and thank you for writing with us. This has been Powered Powered by by Magic. Magic. Thank you, everybody. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Have a great day.